1: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Passing Shot. Ash Barty takes the end of season finals in Shenzhen. Novak Djokovic wins the Paris Masters. And Roger Federer pulls out of the inaugural ATP Cup. What a week it has been with the WTA end of season finals taking place in Shenzhen and the final Masters event of the season concluding in Paris. We've got the Fed Cup and next gen finals just around the corner and the Davis Cup World Tour finals still to come. So it's truly that time of year when we are being treated to the cream of the crop in the tennis world. And Kim, is that the cream of the crop or is that the the cream of the cream? I think you'd like to call it in, in the last pod.
0: Yeah, well, that is one saying I got (laughs) completely wrong, Joel. (laughs) Um, But it sounds a bit nicer, doesn't it? And yeah, I suppose, um, well, we've had the WTA finals this week, which technically is the, the cream of the cream in women's tennis. Although I think it wasn't quite as as good as I think a lot of us were actually predicting um, for reasons we'll get onto shortly. Um, I mean, if, if you basically made it through the competition without retiring, you were kind of onto something. <laughs> that was the main story, perhaps.
1: It was a little bit of the cream of the cream and then a little bit of the cream underneath as well, wasn't it? Because uh... <laughs>
0: I don't know. Now there's just too much cream going on. But anyway, let's begin in <laughs> Shenzhen, Joel. Um Barty, world number one. She, she claimed the title today beating Svitolina in the final straight sets. Um, So I don't know if she was really like, I mean, I know I said Svitolina, it was my favourite when we recorded our preview pod last week. That was purely for the trousers and the fact that she was defending champion. And I was pleased to say that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't far off, you know, defending her title. But I think when it came down to it, Ash Barty just worked out a way to beat Svitolina because actually she'd never beaten her before in their last Five uh, matches, which was perhaps somewhat surprising.
1: Oh yeah, I think it was. I think it was surprising. I think yeah, going into the final, I think Svitolina was the only one who was you know who was undefeated, and you know expectation. I think Svitolina maybe had a little bit of more momentum going into that final, you know, particularly with the head-to-head record. But yeah, Barty, you know, I think she recognised that you know, she needed to change her approach. Uh, to how she you know faces Svitolina on court, and she came she came through in kind of you know quite a routine scoreline 6-3, six, six, which is kind of a you know, complete opposite to you know some of their contests kind of this season. You know, I think back to Indian Wells, and I think they Barty lost that in in Indian Wells in in like kind of a three hour three hour plus epic, but um, yeah. Barty Barty came out four and three. I, mean, I think it was her debut appearance at the event, and I think only I think only six other players have have managed to do that. So uh, yeah, it caps off a really really great season for her.
0: Yeah, and I mean this time last year she was winning the WTA Elite Trophy, which is you know for the sort of nine ranked nine and below players. So yeah, great transition onto the to the top eight. You know she had led the the race to Shenzhen coming into it, world number one. She's had a pretty amazing year, you know. She won Miami, won the French Open, you know, has won the biggest uh, biggest paycheck in, in tennis history, I suppose, with with this tournament. I think it's... Oh, how much has she got exactly? $4.43 million? Or euros, dollars, I think, for this. I mean, that's, that's insane. Um, and she's still got the Fed Cup to come, which we'll be getting onto a bit later. So, you know, if she wins that as well, then that's probably... You know, <laughs> I don't think it will be, it'd be hard to beat a season like that, won't it, going into next season? Um, but what interesting, what, um, what kind of springs to mind as well, that the title she's won this year, she's done on all surfaces, which just goes to show she really does have a, you know, an all court game that's very translatable to, to all surfaces. And, you know, she's not just like a one trick pony. And, um, you know, for sustainability uh, purposes that, you know, should see her doing well, you know, in years to come on tour
1: you know the fact that she is the world number 1 i think that all court game it means that you know obviously she can be competitive you know throughout the whole of the season and you know the fact that as you said she's won titles on on hard on grass on clay and and indoor um yeah it just means that she's just a you know a threat you know wherever it is in the season and um you know she will be you know hard i you know there will she will be a hard a tough nut to crack in terms of displacing her at the top of the uh you know the WTA rankings but um yeah so uh yeah ashbarty um good 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 result for her and in in the doubles as well we had uh, babos and mladenovic uh beat sue sue Shea, even, Shea and, i think you're fine <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and stritschka 6-1 6-3 and and they they defended their their titles so um yeah some good tennis of some good tennis being played in Shenzhen. But, you know, I think one of the, I think, you know, what kind of almost threatened to kind of of dominate kind of the headlines, you know, yes, we did get some amazing tennis being played, but we also had a lot of, retirements and and withdrawals didn't we
0: we did so I think the first one was Naomi Osaka who pulled out before her second round match I think it was with a citing a shoulder injury um meaning Kiki Burtons came in um and then she actually subsequently I think was it Ash Barty that she beat actually in that second round match she came in and, and won so you know pretty good good for an alternate um, and then we had Bianca Andreescu retiring from her second round match uh, she said her knee kind of cracked she had her knee crack, sounds a bit nasty just thinking about it and then she went for an MRI and then subsequently pulled out um, before her her last round robin match and then we had Kiki Burton, who was the alternate, uh, retiring from her third round, well, her second match, but the third round Robin match uh, with a viral illness, um, which I guess is similar to what she had before the French Open. Oh, no, at the French Open, when, you know, she was playing really, really well and perhaps one of the favourites to win the whole thing. And she got struck down with this illness. And then last but not least, uh, to join in all the fun, uh, <laughs> Belinda Bencic in the semi final against Vitalina at four one in the third set retired and then afterwards she said well she just couldn't really move because she was cramping which is a bit worrying um considering you know yeah you know it's a third set like you shouldn't really be cramping if you're a top eight tennis player in the world like your fitness should should be better than that but I I don't know what else was going on I don't want to judge or comment you know but um you know cramping isn't really sort of something that you should be seeing perhaps um So, yeah, I think one of the big, um, big reasons that a lot of the players were, were sort of talking about perhaps as a reason was the slowness of the courts, meaning they just had to work so much harder. And it was just much more grueling on the bodies, especially, you know, late in the season. It's been a very long, a long winded year. You know, they're looking forward to the off season and a slow court is not what you want at this time of the year
1: you're right i think it was kind of like yeah this is you know the wt the wta tour very demanding tour and at the end of the season it sounds like you know maybe the organizers got the the court a little bit wrong in terms of in terms of the speed you know i don't know whether that's you know to make sure that you know rallies you know rallies were extended so you know it was a better experience for you know fans or, or whatever but um you know i think you know what we could probably see in in later editions you know given kind of player feedback from from this edition is that you know maybe we'll get a little bit of a faster court because as i think i think yeah Halep and um Halep and yeah Benchich were kind of pointing fingers at the court being like it was just really hard on you know being really hard on the body and you had to make you know that you had to do that much more you know to kind of win the win the points and it felt like like cheap points were almost kind of minimized
0: i think it definitely helped the you know the like Svitolina, you know she's not so much of a big hitter as the others so i think you know the the slowness of the courts probably helped her um you know kind of, she won all her round-robin matches. You know, she was the only player to do so. And I think probably helped her and Barty um, in the sense that they don't hit quite as big as, you know, the plush-givers of the world. So, um, yeah, um, I think... I don't know if they'll make any changes for next year because Shenzhen, I think, have it for, like, the next 10 years. So I don't know if if they would actually take on that feedback or if they're just going to say, well, hey, lump it or leave it. We're paying you an awful lot of money <laughs> to be here. Yeah. so You can play on a slow court. You know, what would you rather have? Um, I don't know. I mean, we tend to see withdrawals a lot, you know, at this stage of the the ATP calendar, you know, at the World Tour Finals. But I, perhaps I just think it's funny that both alternates, you know, Kiki Bertens and Sophia Kenan, actually had to be used and I think at one point people were sort of thinking hang on a minute is what if there's no will we need a third alternate you know perhaps (laughs) perhaps for next year they should have three instead of two I don't know um but another point Joel that I wanted to to bring up you mentioned Simona Halep you know she wasn't very happy with the court but it was a bit of a I don't want to say scandal but a lot of people on social media were were commenting about um an incident that happened when Darren Cahill came on for some on-court coaching in um, Halep's third round robin match against, uh, was it Pliskova? I think it was against Pliskova. And he kind of came on and said that, um, I don't want to get the quote wrong. Yeah. He called, well, he didn't, he called her a disgrace on the court. He said the last three games she'd been a disgrace on the court. And a lot of people felt that that language was just way too harsh. What, What did you make of the situation?
1: Yeah, I thought it was, um, it was obviously a show of, of tough love. Um, and, you know, obviously Darren Cahill is a fantastic coach and, you know, he's got a very good you know relationship with Simona Hallett um, in terms of, you know, the performances he gets out of her. And I, you know, for me, actually, I, I kind of agree. I actually think, you know, that language was a bit almost a bit too pointed and those sorts of conversations, I think, you know, if they do have to happen, I don't think they should be happening, you know, on a tennis court. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, you know some other people kind of would disagree, and you know, we'd love to get kind of listener thoughts on you know, did you think it crossed the line? Um, let us know on on Twitter at Passing Shot Pod. But um, yeah, I just kind of thought you know, I thought it was a bit a bit harsh, but you know, I think you know, at, I guess at the same time, you know, I think it is almost this recognition that you know, it is the end of season finals. You have got kind of the elite cream of the cream. Um, you know, uh, you know, at the, at, you know, on the other side of you at the net, and in order to kind of, you know, in order to kind of compete, you know, you need to be at the top of your game, and you know, this was almost like that. It was like a reality check, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and I think you know they know each other so well, and I think Darren Cahill was probably just like exasperated with her attitude and just thinking, I know that you can do so much better than this. Like, I, don't, I, I don't personally think. It was, you know, he wasn't really calling her a disgrace person. He was saying the way she was acting was kind of disgraceful. Perhaps if he'd labelled it like disgraceful rather than you've Mm. been a disgrace. Maybe that would have, like, tempered it down a bit. I don't don't know. But I feel like we don't know, you know, exactly the depths of their relationship, etc. But I think Halep herself said that she deserved a dressing down, you know, after the match. She said that, you know, I don't think she felt there was anything anything particularly over the top. But I mean, the next few games, she actually barely won a point. So perhaps it was a bit too tough and it probably made her feel crap about herself. And perhaps a different (laughs) approach was uh, warranted. And maybe Darren Cahill will learn from that. You know, coaches have to kind of take on board things and, you know, they're also learning and um, refining their, you know, skills and everything. So um, I guess it depends what sort of person you are. I think if I was a player... I don't think I think, yeah, I'd want perhaps a more positive, uh, motivational pep talk, perhaps, rather than a, a strict discipline, discipline, uh,
1: discipline <laughs> one. A lot of it obviously depends on the sort the sort of tennis player that you that you are. And, you know, I think Simona Halep can, you know, she can take that criticism on board. But I think, you know, in other players that that might have just kind of you know i, I don't think it, it kind of would have you know helped the situation but um yeah i think it does i think though what it kind of does show you is that you know with on-court coaching it's just i think it's just a great addition you know to the tour and yes. you know, seeing these moments is kind of you know is fantastic it gives you a level of insight that you know we previously didn't have and you know i'd love to see this sort of thing happen on the men's tour you know like I don't know, Mikhail usually calling like Shapovalov a disgrace or something, you know, something yeah, like that. Because, yeah, I agree. Um...
0: <laughs> I think, I mean, there's a lot of people who disagree with on-call coaching. And I think ultimately, I don't really agree with the concept. Like, I do feel like the players should have to figure it out for themselves. But at the same time, it's so interesting to get this like insight and almost be like mm. a fly on the wall. And I do think the game needs to open up. And especially if, you know, you're a tennis player yourself, or maybe you want to be a coach or you're kind of just like, Really interested in psychology or something, you know. It's really like interesting to get that, you know, aspect of it. So, um, yeah, I think this incident, or if you want to call it that, is kind of testament to to kind of the the talkic that it can generate. Um, but yeah, that that was that was that was the WTA finals. They were the kind of main talking points, I suppose. It was a bit disappointing that perhaps we didn't get Osaka and Andreescu like going head to head again as. As we'd kind of previewed that that could happen I'd hoped. end yeah. of the year, yeah, that would have been a really cool like way to finish the season. Um, but Joel, like WTA season, we've still got the Fed Cup, of course, but it's pretty much done and dusted now for 2019. What's been your kind of very quick like key? Highlight of the WTA season for
1: you? I think I still think for me it's Bianca. I still think for me it's Bianca Andreescu who's been an absolute revelation, absolute breath of fresh air on the tour. Who it's just got this attitude that is just so like in your face, and she doesn't really care who you know who her opponent is or you know regardless of whatever ranking they have across the net. And I think you know she's just added another level of you know competitive play to to the tour so for me you know one of the kind of key key kind of themes has been yeah Andre Escu and her kind of you know her you know her breakout you know, her breakout season and you know to be a a grand slam champion it's just absolutely you know fan, it's just absolutely fantastic and um you know I think that's I still think there's going to be questions about her you know her body mm, and I think it's kind of like yeah. it's very clear that we can see you know she's got the talent but you know maybe at the moment her body isn't able to keep up because it's still developing because obviously she's still very young um but that you know that remains to be seen but certainly for me Andreescu uh is a big was one of the kind of the big highlights uh, for the season what, what about you?
0: Um yeah, I mean Andreescu as well. And it's a shame that in the you know end of season finals we weren't able to kind of see her, you know, really I mean she had a match point to beat Simona Hallep in her first round Robin, but Halep came back. So that, that was a great match. But um then she pulled out obviously. Um but um I think for me, probably just from a British perspective, Joe Conta in the slams. I think after a pretty terrible 2018, it was so refreshing to have Joe like doing so well. And I think when she Mm. made it to the semis of the French, that was so unexpected. And, um, you know it was so frustrating cuz i felt like she really should have been in oh that no. final One um, that. i know, I know. <laughs> but oh, you know and I'm then nightmares up, about it. well yeah but yeah. then to, to not be you know too disheartened by that you know that sort of disappointment to do so well at Wimbledon and the US Open that consistency and you know bringing it together for the the big tournaments that really impressed me um and i do think that I think for me, performance in a match over the season, Halep's demolition of Serena at Wimbledon in the final was probably my performance of the season. Mm. (laughs) Um, That match of the season, just the way she played, was just amazing. I I, I mean, that was one of my favourite moments as well.
1: I mean, do you think? Did you think that you know we'd get to the end of the WTA season and and we would still be kind of waiting on Serena Williams to? You know, win her you know, first slam since becoming a mum. Like, yeah, I, you know, I didn't think that no. was on the cards. You know, given she's been in, I mean, she's been in. Obviously, she's been in Grand Slam finals you know, this season. you know, you, th- you thought you thought it was going to happen at the U.S. Open. Um, you know, against Andreescu in the final. but Well, it just... I don't
0: know if people did think it was going to happen against Andreescu, but
1: I, I, I felt it was written, it felt like it was written in the stars. Yeah. I, you know, after kind of that controversy kind of last, you know, with Osaka last season, I don't know, I just thought it was written in the stars, but, but obviously not. And, you know, the Serena, the Serena weight, goes on you know will it go on forever i don't don't know it's it's yeah the longer it goes on the longer we'll still be um, discussing it
0: (laughs) 10 years time episode number i don't know 400 (laughs) be like will serena williams (laughs) break margaret court's record (laughs) um i hope she does and i hope she wins a slam next year but i i do feel like in the final she's going to need stroke of luck or someone in the final as her opponent who you know it's a first-time finalist but a first time finalist who is very subject to a massive outbreak of nerves. So, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. But um, let's um, put the WTA to bed for a moment and have a quick ad break. And now, Joel, I believe you've got a little uh, mysterious player challenge for me <laughs> up your sleeve. Um, so yes, yes, I'll I hand do. over yes, to you for that one. <laughs>
1: Yes. Mysterious player. I have been looking through the rankings for a player, hopefully, that will leave you flummoxed and have no idea who I am talking about. But uh, yeah, I've got a set of clues for you. So I will begin with clue number one. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Bring it on. (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) I was born on the 21st of August, 1985.
0: Oh, okay. 1985. So they're 24 no 34 (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) i'm clearly still living in the noughties that's so bad oh geez okay so they're
1: 34 34 yeah i have a career high ranking of world number nine which i achieved in may 2011
0: okay may 2011 34 (laughs) I feel like saying Fernando Vadasco, but I think he's a bit older.
1: (laughs) A very good shout. Okay. Very good shout, but not the right answer. Okay, cool. All right. Um, I earned 13 ATP titles and won nearly 400 professional matches during my career. So they're retired because you're
0: referring to them in the past tense. Yes. Okay, 13's not bad. Uh, I mean that
1: does I mean that clue does sound like Fernando Vadasco. but it's not, Fernand- <laughs> that is and not David Fernando Ferrer. David. Velasco. David Ferrer won
0: more than thirteen titles,
1: I would have thought, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not David Ferrer.
0: Okay. Might be Spanish though. Um okay. Uh
1: next clue. Uh my career was blighted by injuries, mm. particularly to my legs. it's not a great place for injuries is it (laughs) slash knee slash foot I think he had quite a few quite a few issues
0: I've just thought of Tommy Haas but I think he was higher than nine in the world wasn't he oh and also David Ferrer was much higher than nine so that's silly Um, oh gosh is it someone like Paul Henri Mathieu
1: not a bad shout but it's not Paul Henri Mathieu uh, um, I, I, hmm. no, I think the next clue might help, given your status as Rafa Nadal's number one fan. Okay. I ended Nadal's forty-one match winning streak oh. <laughs> in twenty fourteen oh. at the Barcelona Open when he was ranked number one in the world.
0: Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say um, Robin Sodling at Roland Garros then, um, twenty fourteen <laughs> Barcelona. Oh. I know Kaina Shakori's beating him at Barcelona. But he's not thirty-four, is he? Um, it's not Kenushori.
1: Um I've got three I've got three more clues I don't know. as well.
0: Okay. Uh, next, please.
1: I reached the quarterfinals of the French Open three times. And lost to Rafa Nadal each, each time in those quarterfinals, who ended up being obviously the eventual champion.
0: Mm. Oh, Tommy Robredo? Oh, no, he's it's older it's than not Tommy Robredo. Wow. It's
1: not Tommy Robredo. Very, very good guess. Tommy Robredo.
0: Juan Carlos Ferrero. No. Um, <sighs> is it Spanish? I think you're very. <laughs> no, mm. it's not, is it? It might be South America. It is. It is Spanish. Oh it is Spanish. Oh. Pablo Andhar? No, he wouldn't have won thirteen times. It's not
1: Pablo Andejar. I've um, got two more I've got two more clues. I think the final clue you'll get it on, but I've got Okay, go go moment. for it. <laughs> but I mean this is not really a clue given what I've just said. Um. I am considered a clay court specialist.
0: <laughs> I think I'd probably <laughs> gathered that one. Oh it's not um Oh no, it's Spanish. Oh, I mean, it could be Feliciano Lopez, but no, he's not a clay court. He's a grass court
1: specialist. It's yeah, not Feliciano Lopez. Oh,
0: uh, well, have they been in like the Davis Cup team?
1: I suppose. Yes. They How have. am
0: I not getting this? Oh. Oh. Okay. Next final clue. clue. <laughs> yeah. Final
1: clue.
0: Oh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> Nicolas Almagro. It is Nicolas yes.
1: Almagro. Yes, it is. Yes. I just suddenly thought final... of it. <laughs> the final oh. clue was i retired i retired this year at the mercia 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 yeah. open mm, on the challenger tour
0: yeah. Oh. yeah
1: with a 6-2 6-2 loss to mario vieira martinez um oh, so yeah one. Nicolas, nicolas almagro um who yeah he was a pretty decent player I in, his, in his day i liked him yeah he
0: used to get quite worked up but um i thought he was always quite quite fun to watch um yeah I can't believe he skipped my mind. But yeah, he was always out of injury, wasn't he? he? He did have a bit of a tough time. But uh, yeah, let us know how you guys all got on with that one. Did you? Did it take you less time to, to <laughs> guess uh, Nicolas Almagro or more time than me? Let, let us know how you got on. Um, and I think we'll go back to the world of tennis this week, which uh, let's move on to the men. We had the Paris Masters at Paris-Bercy, which ended today with perhaps a somewhat predictable, quite bog-standard win by Novak Djokovic (laughs) in the final. Perhaps more surprisingly was uh, his finalist, uh, his opponent, Denis Shapovalov. I think everyone was kind of looking forward to a, a Rafa Novak final, but Rafa unfortunately pulled yeah. out uh, ahead of the semi final due to an abdominal injury that he'd got, like literally that morning in the warm up, um, and he decided not to play at the doctor's recommendation. So we had Shapovalov against Djokovic in the final, which I don't personally i don't I wasn't expecting Shapovalov to really really challenge Djokovic, not given the form that Djokovic had been in in the last kind of few matches.
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think it was a pretty routine victory for for Djokovic. I think yeah, as you said, it was a basically a sh- it was a big shame. I think you know we didn't get the mar- you know that marquee, you know Rafa Novak final because both both players had been playing, you know, had been playing excellent tennis throughout the week, and um, you know sh- Shapovalov also has been playing had an excellent kind of you know late turn in in the season. You know he won um Stockholm and you know I think you know he had clear momentum going into Paris and I did kind of wonder going into the final well you know is the you know given the head-to-head which I think was kind of like 3-0 Nova I did wonder you know well actually is the thing that's changed this time is the fact that Shapovalov's got all this you know momentum behind him but um you know it wasn't it wasn't to be for Shapovalov which you know it would have been his know biggest title in his career but you know you sense that given he's so young, yeah, he's going to have plenty more, plenty more bites of the cherry, uh, uh, kind of masters, masters level tournaments.
0: Yeah. And I think also, you know, he's especially had a really good couple of, couple of months, isn't he? You said, you know, obviously the Stockholm win, but he's, um, he's working with Mikhail Yuzhny, which I think, you know, has had a big impact on his game. So really, I suppose it's, it's probably only upwards from here. Um, you know, I think it's his last 25 matches. is 118, um, so you know, good form. But he's actually, as you know, he's he was due to play in the Next Gen Finals next week, mm. uh, this week. But he's he's pulled out. So a bit of a shame. He's obviously decided um, a bit too much for yeah, him. He, his
1: seasons. Yeah, come I think, to I think an he end. said exactly, exactly. I think he said his uh, it would be too much for you know for his body. So um, yeah, he's pulled out of Next Gen, and as you said, is 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 replaced by. Davidich Fikina from, mm. from Spain. Yeah, that'd right? be
0: interesting. yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, Shapovalov is going to be inside the top 15 in the rankings. So, um, you know, a few months ago he was ranked 38. So he's basically halved his ranking in the last couple of months. So a great end to the season for him. Um, as, as a note on Rafa, obviously very disappointing that he withdrew. Uh, when I saw it, I was like, oh, typical, you know, Rafa doesn't really get on well with the Paris Masters this time of the year. normally it's a bit of a disaster um so i'm not very i'm not getting my hopes up that he's going to be at the world tour finals um i know he's trying hard to be there hopefully this is just like a very short-term abdominal strain um but i it remains to be seen i think we'll we'll await an announcement i guess in the next couple of days about um, whether he's going to be in London or not, um, I think he was just going to head home to kind of rest and and see to it. Um, but you know, also in London, if, if Rafa is there, here, and Djokovic will be fighting it out for for the world number one ranking because it's it's up for grabs for the season-ending number one. And I think Novak, well, he's probably quite determined to get it because it will be the sixth time that he will will have it, which would be. Um, well, it would be tied with Sampras, who I think is the only player to have held the year-end ranking number one for you know six times. So that's what uh, Novak has his sights on at the moment.
1: Yeah, and I I do wonder if that actually factors into you know whether Nadal does play the World Tour Finals. The fact that actually there is something there is something riding on it for him and. You know, in in any other situation, if there, you know, if, if there wasn't, maybe, you know, he 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 might not risk it. But the fact that, you know, he could, you know, on the flip side, he could also end, um, you know, as the end of season, you know, world number one. You know, i i I think he'll I think he'll turn up, but you know, and, and kind of see how it goes. Um, hmm. But I would not, again, I would not be surprised if we're kind of calling in on the alternates. The yeah, alternates. To, I uh, know. To, I, it, would, is
0: uh, Monfils an alternate? Because he just lost out, you know, because Berrettini, Shapovalov beat Monfils in Paris, which meant that Monfils wasn't in the top eight. So Berrettini got the last spot, but I assume Monfils is the alternate. So there is still a very strong chance that he will end up playing in London. Um, Yeah, hopefully Rafa will be fit. It'll be great to see him and Novak battling it out, Um, or at least, you know, for them both to be there. But, you know, Rafa was playing very well. And, you know, actually, he's made it to the semi-final of, I think, every tournament he's played this year, barring the Acapulco event um, where he lost to
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. in <laughs> that awful
0: match where Kyrgios, that awful match where Kyrgios, that was won, a wild, that was a wild saved match, match, wasn't points. it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was awful for Rafa fans. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I know that you know. Yeah, this time of the season isn't great for Rafa, but we, we will we will see what happens. Um, but I'm very looking for, I am looking forward to the World War Finals and we'll be doing a bit of a preview um, sort of in the next few days or so. So um, look out for a, our pod on that, um, for more depth on those. I think they're doing the draw on Tuesday, aren't they? So um, we'll be seeing who's going to be grouped with, with who. But Djokovic will go into that in pretty good form you know as per um but yeah we've also got the fed cup final as we mentioned earlier um france against australia out in australia which is uh for the french players probably a bit of a a bit of a drag to go all the track. way out to australia yeah. um you know at this time just of year just what you want at the end yeah. of yeah exactly
1: <laughs> uh, before just like, like, oh, christmas great.
0: yeah i'd probably just stay there have christmas there and you know <laughs> wait there for for uh, ao but Um, Perhaps the most notable thing about the Fed Cup um, coming up is the fact that Tom Ljanovic is included in the Australian Fed Cup team, which has raised a few eyebrows because um, the ITF made a decision just last month saying that she was eligible. Um, She was born in Croatia, um, has changed nationality, but has previously been deemed ineligible for years because she previously played for Croatia. Um, and I think people are just saying, well, it's very convenient that just before Australia play the Fed Cup final, suddenly mm. she's allowed to play, um, which does, does the timing of it does sound a bit dodgy.
1: Yeah, I know. I was a bit, it was a bit, int- I didn't really kind of, yeah, I think it's, it is interesting. And I think kind of, you know, whether, let's, you know, let's see if it has an impact. You know, both teams have been announced. I think the you know the French team have got Madenovic, Garcia, Corneille. Um, and yeah, it looks like, you know, Tom Ljanovic, you know, she would be the second singles player. Um, mm. Potentially that could be Stoza, but, um, you'd think obviously Barty as well. Tom um, is
0: higher ranked, isn't she? She's 51 in the world, singles, so.
1: Yeah, but I think, I think the question is on that kind of eligibility stuff is, you know, particularly for British fans, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of, you know, Aliash Bednay. Uh, you know, a few years ago, around like can he play, uh, you know, Davis Cup for for GB, and you know the the you know no matter how many appeals, it felt like the LTA you know put to the the ITF they had a very hard stance on it and and said no, and um, it, it feels kind of like it. I mean, for me, I feel like this is a sort of similar situation to kind of you know Bednay for G, GB, but you know the the outcome is is completely is completely different.
0: Yeah, although I did read somewhere that Tom Lanovich's application process began at a time when the rules, before the rules were put into place. I'm not sure. I I don't know. I didn't read too much into it.
1: (laughs) We're not legal experts. (laughs) I know, so
0: don't listen to us on this bit. Um, But I feel like it must be something to do with the timing of the application or or something. I'm sure there Mm. is some basis in the governing bodies, like, legislation. Um, but, yeah, I ser- I think it certainly helps Australia because, obviously, they've got Barty, who you would expect would win both of her singles matches. However, you know, the other singles matches, I don't know, I'm just looking at the French team. Yeah, Mladenovic, she, you know, better in doubles, you would say, than singles. Caroline Garcia's had, like, no form. Elise is a bit hit and miss. You know, you never know what you're going to get. So I don't know. It's it's kind of very. It's going to be very tight. I think. I think it might come down to to the doubles because you've got Radenovic and Garcia, who I assume will be the doubles team. But then you've got Stoza, <laughs> who's obviously an awesome doubles player as well. So
1: bags of I'd, experience as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Would it be Stoza with Barty in the doubles? I mean, hey, Barty's and well, she's recently been in the top ten of the women's doubles. I don't think she's been playing so much doubles since, I guess, the U.S. Open. But top ten doubles player in her own right. So I'm going to give the edge to Australia if Barty can stay fit after this week.
1: Yeah. I think, I think I would, I would go with an Australia win as Mm. well. It's their first, first first Fed
0: Cup final in 26 Mm. years. So I think it'd be great for them, you know, home tie, Long, you know, Barty is their world, the world number one. You know, I think it would be like really She was
1: going to want to make a nice, yeah, it'd be a great way to kind of cap, yeah. cap her season in yeah. front of the home, home crowd. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that uh, prevails. Um, but yeah, let's move on to our bulletin board where we have kind of picked out some other news from the tennis world over the last week or so um and i think you know one of the big things um you know talking about australia is uh, the atp cup which is that new the that new event that's replacing hotman cup uh team event uh well roger federer has decided to pull out of it for personal reasons and as a result of that switzerland who were in gb's group um are no longer in the competition um you know there was You know, when the draws were made, I think there was a lot of chat about, oh, this could be an early chance to see, you know, an Andy Murray versus Roger Federer, but that will no longer, you know, be the case. Um, I think Federer's quoted as saying, you know, I decided that the extra two weeks at home will be beneficial for both my family and my tennis. This is the right thing to do if I want to continue to play for a longer period of time. So, you know, I think, you know, I think obviously fans are disappointed. I think there's been a bit of... um, there's been a bit of uh, controversy around around the ticketing because I think a lot of fans have obviously snapped up tickets you know, in the expectation that they'll see Roger Federer, but now they want to give them back because he's not playing. Um, well,
0: they'll have to look at the terms and conditions, won't they, <laughs> on that one. I do like on our little notes that we've put down, I like how you've put, Therefore, Switzerland have been binned out of GB's group. <laughs> what a lovely no. phrase. Yeah, um, yeah so, I feel sorry uh... for the other Swiss player um, <laughs> that was going to play. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, because I think Federer has quite a, a lot of exhibitions lined up over the off season. Mm. So I'm just kind of thinking, where where is your, you know, your heart and your intention? Um, you know, you're playing, I think there's possibly a Chinese exhibition that he's involved in at the start of the season but I guess that's just you know a couple of hours whereas the ATP Cup is you know several days so
1: fair play I mean he's got to do what's right for him I um, yeah I do one I do wonder I think also I think one of the things to think about is kind of the ATP Cup coming in um and like replacing the Hotman Cup you know you could have argued you know Hopman Cup didn't have any you know ranking points you know available it was a bit more of a friendly like less intense like yes it was competitive but kind of more of a you know friendly you know atmosphere whereas you know the ATP Cup it sounds like you know this is going to be you know very um this is going to be very competitive and perhaps it might just been a bit too early in the season for it to be you know that that sort of that's that sort of tennis. Um, yeah, it doesn't so, ease uh, you
0: into the AO quite as well as exactly. Hopman Cup did. Yeah, I, I'm mm. going to miss the Hopman Cup. I love it, but um, rest in peace. Um, next, <laughs> um, another other news in the tennis world Kiki Burton's a split with Raymond Sluter, um, who's been our coach for the last, what well, four years, I think. Um, they've been together a while. And in that time, she's really, you know, had her best few years of her career. You know, she's risen to number four in the world. She's won premier tournaments, um, you know. So perhaps a bit of a surprise because she, you know, she's had her best season yet, but obviously um, something was going on behind the scenes. You know, it's their decision. She's going to carry on working with uh, Elise Tameila, Um, and also her, well, this is nice, her future husband and sparring partner, Remco Derike. So um yeah that that's been announced this this week that her and Raymond Slater are no longer going to be working I'd, together.
1: Yeah. I feel like we this is like uh, the only the start of all of the uh the coaching cups. <laughs> The coaching breakups uh we, we probably will hear about in, in the off-season. Well, but, Sasha um,
0: Bayan is available now, uh, um, isn't yeah. he? Because he's split with Mladenovic. So
1: yeah. money on where on he's going to go. So.
0: Yeah, well, yes, exactly. Um And I think the last thing we wanted to touch on today, Joel, is the Britain's Davis Cup team has been announced. We were all kind of anticipating, weren't we, who was going to be in the team for the uh, finals in Madrid in a couple of weeks and um well obviously Andy Murray has been chosen um Jamie Dan and Evans. oh yeah Dan Evans of course um Jamie and, and well Neil Skupski um but the last player was Kyle Edmund and we all kind of thought Cam Norrie was going to get the edge but <laughs> yeah Leon I Smith's think it's
1: gone for Kyle I think it's a bit it's interesting because uh, uh, you know I'd love to know what British fans think about this because I think you know obviously Carl had actually a really good showing in Paris and I think that uh, almost like tipped it in his favour even though I think you pro- you would say that Norrie's had a better season um, because uh, you know Norrie has had a better season but yeah because you know Eben did so well in in Paris it's almost uh, mm. yeah I feel like it's, it's tipped it in his favour in his favour. Is that a bit harsh on Norrie? You know, it's you know, is it you know, is he gonna is he gonna be a little bit annoyed the fact that, you know, Edmund, who's not really shown a lot of form, he's shown a l you know, he's come back into it a little bit, um, you know, has got the decision. So um
0: Well Norrie's yeah. actually higher ranked and has won more matches than Edmund this year. And I do wonder if Edmund had lost first round of Paris whether this decision would have been made. I feel like that was probably the decisive factor, just his performance in Paris alone, personally. Um, mm. Obviously, I hope Kyle's going to do great in, in <laughs> Madrid. Um, if he if he does play, he might not, you know, it might be Dan and Andy. So this might be immaterial, to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's difficult when you've got players who are kind of quite similar at the moment, I guess, Edmund has done better, you know, has been higher ranked, obviously, overall. So perhaps a higher calibre, you know, when you look at it in that perspective. But yeah, we will see and we'll hopefully see some of them in action, Joel, in a couple of weeks. (laughs) We've got tickets for... GB against Kazakhstan, I think it is.
1: I know. I'm looking exciting. forward to a bit of
0: Kukushkin myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and
1: Alec- Alexander Bublik.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. I don't I, know any I, other I, Kazakhstan I, players. I, I wa- I'm also wondering... Are, are there going to be any passing shot listeners in that's in in that stadium watching I hope Watching so. <laughs> GB tie with with us we'd we'd love to know if if you are going to be there we 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 will be there um as as fans cheering on GB I think we're going to a Spain tie as well aren't we're we We're going the... to
0: Spain Croatia so I'm hoping to see
1: Rafa <laughs> um But yeah we will be we will be on site on on probably on Twitter but um yeah if any any of our listeners fancy a meetup' we'll, you will uh we' we'll, we'll, we'll be about so um you, you'll be able to hear us uh, we'll talk a bit more about that actually uh, closer to the time but um yeah for now um I think we've kind of come to the end of this uh, catch up on the last week in tennis and the uh, WTA finals and 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 all in all that has happened um but um yeah we'll be back actually with a midweek pod uh, to preview the World Tour Finals. Um, as Kim said, the draw is on Tuesday, so once we we know what the groups are, we're going to do a little preview pod um, of what's to come at the O2
0: also, Joel, I don't actually think it's called the World Tour Finals anymore. I think we're we're saying it, it wrong. I think it's the Nitto ATP Finals okay. or something. But I'm just used to World Tour Finals. So to be honest, I'm I with, just, I'm just used are not very to saying on WTFs, on, <laughs> I'm just used to
1: saying WTFs in, in yeah, WhatsApp to you, which but, has uh, a different uh,
0: yeah. acronym entirely. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I think it's actually the Nitto ATP Finals. I had to Google Nitto the other day because I was like, I've literally never heard of them before they started sponsoring this event. <laughs> what do they even do <laughs> um, and I, to be fair I wasn't any the wiser when I googled them so anyway sorry just uh, anyone who's uh, yeah we're not very on brand with that one but yeah let us know guys um, your thoughts on anything we've discussed this episode uh, you can find us on social media as normal uh, at Passing Shop Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook um, please do give us a rating and a little um review if you haven't already. If you've been listening for a few episodes or or more, we would really appreciate just a little bit of feedback from yourselves uh, to help us spread the word and engage more tennis fans in the Passing Shot community. Uh, but we'll be back in a couple of days, as Joel said. So uh, all the best. Thanks for listening and see you next time.